when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Court Today replay on C103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you on what is now that the rain has passed, a lovely, bright, wintry morning out there. And certainly Met Erin are saying that normal wintry weather has resumed because we have had this spell of nice, mild weather. But according to John Eagleton of Met Erin, we're getting back into more seasonal uh, weather. That rain last night has cleared, brighter, more showery day uh, today. Uh, but with the brightness, the temperatures are dry. The temperatures over the last week, couple of weeks really at this stage, have been running two or three degrees above normal for this time of year. But we're seeing an end uh, to that. It's going to be more changeable for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, not going to be too bad a day, similar to today. It'll be a little bit cold though to start with in the morning and then temperatures won't go any higher than four to six degrees. But it should be quite a pleasant day uh, tomorrow. Nice and uh, bright and the wind will die out. Die, any wind that's there overnight uh, will die out in the middle of the day tomorrow. But we can expect a frosty uh, start. Friday then is going to be a wet and a showery day. A cold, bright weekend. That's what Met Aaron are predicting with some wintry showers. And the indications at this stage are the middle of next week will be cold during the day but temperatures at night won't fall that uh, low. I think because that's what worries people. You wake up to sort of very uh, frosty mornings. So they are saying there's a bit of a cold event on the way. At the very most, there will be some snow flurries, but that's going to be on the east coast. There isn't any kind of a big snow event because certainly some commentary that was coming from forecasters in the United Kingdom, they were certainly indicating that the beast from the east was on its way back from midway through next week. And people were saying that the beast from the east is going to hit England and surely it's going to hit uh, Ireland as well. But Met Aaron are saying no. Certainly temperatures down on what they have been of uh, late, but nothing to get that too excited about which I think a lot of people will be delighted to hear because nobody but nobody wants anything like the snow that we had with the beast from the east uh, last year. John Paul taking your calls today at 1850 Text or WhatsApp 86 103. Already see some of your texts and WhatsApps coming in to us. Interested in your thoughts on Brexit and what is happening with Brexit and uh, we're going to be getting the European 
perspective and reaction to the vote by the British government on the Brexit deal and I suppose the big question uh, where to from now and the Brexit deal agreed by the Prime Minister with the EU was defeated yesterday by a historic margin last night but it does look like um, Theresa May doesn't have a plan B so if she doesn't have a plan B where do we go to from here Michael has already been on St Patricia High the hurricane has made landfall and is raging throughout Europe with the, with the severest damaging gusts developing over the United Kingdom it made landfall on them last evening by default and has left them badly devastated especially with a crushing defeat that will take an unprecedented length of time to recover and uh, an opposition with absolutely no plans. Scotland looking for an independence. The only option that would seem to have a slight chance would be for all the leaders to agree to a cancellation of Brexit as there's nothing else left. Another referendum could be disastrous and seriously cause a civil war at this moment in time. Thanking you. That's uh, well put, uh, Michael. And it is true. Now, everyone seems to be scratching their heads and knowing, you know, where do we go from here? Is that... If, if you would like to think it could be as simple that we could just cancel uh, Brexit, what would the Brexiteers say about that? And there's, you know, there has been, since two and a half years ago when the first referendum and the results of the first referendum came out, there's been talk of why not have another referendum? Why not explain it properly, what Brexit would mean to the United Kingdom and then let the people of the United Kingdom decide again with the theory being that they would vote against uh, Brexit but we've no way of knowing whether they would vote against Brexit or not and uh, you know I think at one stage I was all for another referendum saying this is the only way to go you know now that the people of the United Kingdom know and realise what the effect of Brexit will have on them you know on a day to day basis I was saying, you know, because definitely there was a lot of lies and there was a lot of uncertainty around the first vote, give them the chance to vote again. But I think Michael is right. I think it could actually divide the country even further. So I don't know. I'm sort of moving away from the call for another referendum. But your thoughts welcomed throughout the morning. Uh, And actually, hopefully at some stage during the programme, I'll get to a really good piece that Conor Pope is writing in the Irish Independent. The Irish Times, that's what Conor Pope writes for uh, today. He's their consumer affairs correspondent. And he's just looking at all of the different brands and the different products and how they would be affected if we had a no deal at Brexit. I mean, because there's lots of newspapers writing about the fact that bread is going to become vulnerable and that there could be bread shortages. And we all saw what happened during the beast from the east. And we saw how, you know, we ran out of bread and how quickly we ran out of uh, bread. But we rely so much on um, the ingredients for bread coming from the United Kingdom. So, you know, that, you know, bread, which is a real stable of us here in this country, could go into short supply if we had an old deal uh, Brexit. Uh, so your thoughts and comments, welcome to John Paul taking the calls at 1850-333-103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork County Council plans to develop a green way on the old Middleton to Yall railway line. I'd be interested to hear how local people feel about this. We've seen very successful greenways around the country. They're great for local people, fantastic for families, safe way for families to get out and about. People cycle on the greenways, people walk on the greenways and they've also proven to be great uh, tourist attractions uh, as well because a lot of people like to go on walking holidays, a lot of people like to go for walks when they're on holidays and they like to do it safely. There's no safer way than doing it on a greenway. So we'll talk about the future plans of the Middleton Yall 
a green way, but also hearing some criticism that the Greenway isn't the way to go. It should be a push to reopen the railway line. A proposal to give publicans a tax break if they offer to drive customers home. Now we're talking obviously in the main here about publicans in rural areas and a lot of publicans in rural areas with stricter drink driving laws do operate such a service. I suppose they know they have no other choice than if they don't offer to bring their customers home. In many cases, their customers would have no other way of getting home. They can't drive themselves because they've had a few drinks. They mightn't have anybody at home who could be a designated driver and come in and uh, collect them. What's often a problem, it, the hackney and taxi services aren't always available, particularly on the busy nights like the Friday, the Saturday and the Sunday nights and won't always travel out to uh, rural areas. And I know that becomes an issue for people who go into the city or into large or the urban towns and when they're trying to get home there has been a problem for I don't know how long this has been going on but we certainly would hear complaints from people here to the programme who would ring up and say that they had huge problems getting a taxi to go home on a Friday or Saturday night that when taxi drivers heard that they were living out in a rural area saying no, no, do I want to take the fare want to stay around the city want to stay around uh, the town which then can leave somebody absolutely stuck in limbo at two o'clock in the morning uh, trying to find the way home Anyway, so we're going to be looking at this proposal to give publicans a tax uh, break uh, CAO deadline looms we've got advice for our students at school but we've got advice for their uh, parents and there is a rise in Leaving Cert student numbers this year and most people are saying that that will drive up points for college entry particularly on the more popular courses. Now it will be some months before the final candidate figures are available but it's understood an increase of 3% or slightly more is on the cards. It's the first significant increase in leaving certificate exam candidates in many years and obviously the knock-on it's expected to translate into more CAO applications because a large, large number of leaving cert students they automatically fill in a CAO form uh, in order for them to go on to uh, college because we certainly have a generation of young people who is, it's almost like they're right of passage to go on to, to third level. I just saw an article, interesting article in the paper saying we, we there seems to be this big push to get everybody to go to third level and because of it, people are moving away from apprenticeships and we mustn't forget apprenticeships and we mustn't forget we need young people to get involved in the trade so we need young people to consider apprenticeships as well as a way forward. It isn't all about going to third level but for the majority of Leaving Cert students it's third level will be their option so we'll have advice with various deadlines uh, looming we're into the final week or so for students to finalise their CAO application so these these are the kind of the important days to make sure that the students are picking the right uh, courses and after 12 uh, today really looking forward to chatting with Eilish O'Carroll star of Mrs Brown's Boys We've had the lovely Eilish in studio when she's been talking about her various one-woman shows uh, over the years. But of course, we know Eilish now is on our screens, not for Mrs Brown's Boys, but she's on our screens with her dancing shoes on and she's taking part in Dancing with the Stars and she had her first live dance. Wonderful tango. I thought she did extremely 
well in her tango last uh, Sunday night. So she's taking time out today in rehearsals. She's going to take a little bit of a break and she's going to have a chat with us. Now, as far as I know, she's sworn to secrecy. They're not allowed to tell what dance they're doing. So we're going to have to wait until the show is on on Sunday night to find out what each of the dancers are, are, are doing. They keep a lot of um, secrecy around it. And I suppose that just adds to it. So you don't know in advance who's doing who's doing what. So she won't be able to tell us what she's doing, but she will be able to tell us how the how her rehearsals are getting on and why she has decided uh, to take part. Uh, that's um, Eilish O'Carroll joining us in the final hour of the programme. Now, before we get to Brexit and uh, dis- discuss the humiliating defeat for Theresa May and where does it now all leave us, I want to catch up with a couple of emails that have come into the programme. And I've kind of made myself a promise for 2019. Wait, so many emails come into the programme and I, I have a tendency that they all get backed up and then on a Friday I'm trying to get through uh, to as many of them as possible. So I'm kind of trying to make a promise to myself that we'll keep looking at the emails uh, throughout the week and we will get through as many of them as we can rather than leaving them all for the last day of the week. And I want to give a very special mention to Joe Cadwell who actually joined us on the programme before Christmas and she emails to say, Patricia, you very kindly featured the Manway Community Christmas Dinner on your show last year. We had a great response and we were joined by over 50 people on the day and great fun was had by all. We had 40 plus volunteers both on Christmas Eve preparing everything for the dinner and then on the day itself. It was a real community effort. Thanks to all who joined us last Christmas Day and all those who made it happen. All of the generous sponsors, those who made food, our chef Mike, the entertainers, big and small and all the others who helped in any way. And thank you for featuring the event. Um, well, it was it really was our pleasure uh, to feature the event because it was the only other group outside of Cork Penny Dinners who was, was actually running an event where they were serving Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. Now there was many other wonderful organisations like the likes of Meals on Wheels who on Christmas Eve were dropping off a plated dinner for people who would be on their own and they'd be able to just stick it in the oven and pop it in the microwave and heat up the dinner so that they'd have a nice Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. But I thought what the Dumamway community Christmas dinner was doing was great and it was for people who were lonely, people who would be on their own, people who just wanted to spend Christmas Day and part of Christmas Day and sit around a table with other people so it was fabulous and I'm really really thrilled to hear that 50 people took up the invitation along with the 40 volunteers so well done to everybody who got involved there and thank you Joe for the update on uh, that. We were talking about the sign of peace during the week And there was, again, whenever it comes up, uh, there's always criticism. Some people absolutely hate the sign of peace. And that's not too strong a word. We get people very angry about it. To the point that it's turned some people off going to mass because they do not like the idea of shaking hands with a total stranger when you don't know where the other person's hand has been. And it was all linked in with the flu season that's here at the moment. And some parishes have decided while there is flu out and about at the moment they have decided not to have the sign of peace at Mass and instead you just smile at the person beside you but other churches are still going ahead and the priest is asking you to offer the sign of peace and shake hands with the person next uh, to you and as I say whenever it comes up as a topic on the programme it is always divided and it was divided again when we discussed it on uh, Monday well it prompted someone uh, Noreen to email Patricia at c103.ie to say Hi Patricia I always enjoy the religious in inverted commas, comments on your show. Keep them coming. I wouldn't touch that one next to me. Sure, I'm much cleaner and holier, not to mention more Christian than her. 
Kind regards and that's from Noreen and I suppose when I saw Noreen's email it made me smile uh, because and then it made me stop and think and and to say yeah I mean how unchristian is it not to offer a handshake by way of the sign of peace to the person next to you at the end of the day you're in a church kneeling sitting and standing by beside somebody who is kneeling sitting and standing in prayer the very same way as you. You've come into the church to pray and the priest asks you then to acknowledge the person beside you by way of a handshake. Is it unchristian to even think, I don't want to shake that one's, and no one is using the term one, not I don't want to shake that one's hand because I don't know where that hand has been. Thank you uh, for your email to patricia at c103.ie. And we also discussed the superbug. This also was on Tuesday, on Monday, uh, CPE, the newest superbug. And we were discussing it because Simon Harris is investing a lot of money. I think it's 20 million euro. He is giving to the, Simon Harris is giving to the hospitals to try to pardon the pun but clean up their act when it comes to this superbug and to try to get rid of this infection. That prompted somebody to say, Patricia, could you ever explain what type of infection is this CPE? Well, it is the newest in a long line of superbugs but of all of the superbugs CPE is the most difficult to kill with antibiotics we know all of the other the MRSAs and all of those we know how difficult they are but this is proving to be the most difficult to tackle with antibiotics now when you say what type of an infection is it it's a bacteria now it's a bacteria that usually lives harmlessly in the gut of humans however if the CPE bacteria gets into the wrong place, the wrong place being the bladder or into the bloodstream. That's then how it causes an infection. CPE has contributed to contributes to death in up to 50% of patients where the CPE leaves the gut and then ends up in either the bladder or in the blood the bloodstream. And then how is it spread? Well it is spread from person uh, from one person to another by unwashed hands. Also from contact with soiled equipment and also from contact with surfaces infected with CPE. And that's where certainly with the soiled equipment and the surfaces infected with CPE, that's where we very much come back to the cleanliness in the hospitals and how important it is to make sure that our hospitals are cleaned to a, to a certain standard. Whenever that gets mentioned, we people say bring back the old matron and remember the days of the matron and all the cleaning that went on. And, and, and actually, it, it wasn't it just before Christmas I was speaking with Alice Leahy, you know, Alice who works with, she's uh, originally from Tipperary, living, has been living in Dublin now for many, many years. She is herself a qualified nurse and she works with the homeless people. She's the Alice Leahy Trust and she brought out her, her memoir before Christmas. And part of the memoir was her talking about her training when she when she went to Dublin, leaving Tipperary, very rural part of Tipperary and heading up to the big smoke of Dublin where she trained to be a nurse. And to read the chapters where she talks about the training, that was in the day where nurses trained on the job. They trained in the hospitals. And one of the first, I think nearly the first year of their training was spent cleaning and you know she spoke in the book about matron coming in with the white gloves on and running the finger along the back of the bed or running the finger along a shelf or along the arms of a of a chair an armchair 
sitting, you know, beside the bed and you lived in fear if there was, if you'd left a bit of dust uh, behind. And then, of course, the way we train nurses now has changed uh, completely. They are all going to university and they get their university degree and then they head into uh, the hospital. And uh, I suppose those training nurses have been replaced instead by uh, cleaning staff and healthcare assistants, uh, um, etc. But we don't have the matron going around absolutely putting the fear of God into all of those trainee nurses and I, I don't know how much of a difference that has made. I mean people will say we, you know a lot of these hospital acquired infections is to do with the fact that we're overusing antibiotics which absolutely I accept that's that's the reason that we have so many of these superbugs but it's the spread of the superbugs is the one that we most have to look at and most have to try to do something about. And, you know, if you get it from contact with soiled equipment or surfaces infected with CPE, well, surely the responsibility then goes back to the management of the hospital as to why the cleaning wasn't done properly. And then obviously unwashed hands, that's down to the staff, both the nurses and the doctors and the consultants and anybody who's dealing in any way with a patient in a hospital has to make sure that their hands are washed um, properly not just a quick rinse under uh, the tap 1850 John Paul takes your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 let's take a break and we're back talking Brexit Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Laura Gelga RC103 Rogok Polo Kono Aaron Fehula the year for an edig shaktonay Near Imrashe Rugger Gudigarevshe Shavlin Degdish. Gudishin Vieg Iri Gahanva Age Susnov Agusagolf. Octoresto Imrat Doskal Near Vadagur Aknik A Mari Rail Tmor Rugger Antuki. Dimmer Pol Marnosgrad Kugamun Dera Augusta Erin alone. Agus Kyapuk A Mar Captain Er on Tree Erin. Igur Kugamun Dimrashe Gawkade is a Oktagor. Augustine Shigshe Kuig Fuinta is Noka. Dimashe Oskan Kade or Dera. Egg I'm Shigoskor is Kuig Fuinta. Solar Arik She Asan Gleha. Konian Pol Elimnok. Then a Van Kela. Augustro Postoko. Is Trainali A. Anish. La Fern Rugger Nahirin Fuifeha. Lake Moor Sport. Le Blur Guelga is Misha Donaka Olanchig Ogwelskult Mostavish Maana. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Uh, British MPs finally got to vote on the EU divorce in the House of Commons yesterday evening after a month of delays. The result was one of the most crushing defeats in British history. And to discuss where we go from here, I'm joined by Ireland South MEP uh, Deirdre Clune. Uh, good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. And a Happy New Year to you. And, y- and you're year. welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose there was no surprise in the uh, result, but it was the margin of the defeat. Were you surprised by that? Yes. Um, the scale of the defeat, yes, but no surprise in the result, as you say. Uh, we hadn't expected it to be quite that large. But And what's, what's oh, unusual or what's notable about it is that you had cheering, um, afterwards outside the House of Commons the hard Brexiteers and the Remainers so you had division in the opposition yeah. which means as you say where do you go from here with that um, certainly both the withdrawal agreement that was it's been signed by the council by the 
by passed by the UK Parliament and indeed we hopefully we will be I'm sure passed by the European Parliament was due to come before us uh, has now been rejected by another insti- by an institution the UK Parliament so you have to respect that and um we've just come from a debate here in the in the parliament I'm in mean, Strasbourg we had Monsieur Barnier speaking again respecting the views of the House of Commons and of the Europe of the UK uh government now but where do we go from here is the question and what options are there we need the clear uh, message around the from the round of speakers this morning was well, what's ne- what 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 is the UK going to come for because we have not the withdrawal agreement was there it's been rejected what do they want next do they want an extension of this article 50 they need to to ask for it do they want uh, it has to come from the UK or these proposals um, they're going to go for another referendum. Who knows? It's a matter for themselves. Just but on the extension, would would they be given an extension, or would they need would they need a reason to be given the extension? Uh, they need a reason to be given the extension. Like I would think they would need definitely they would need a, from picking up from the tone of speakers today. You can't. We could have an, an extension for what for more of the same. Yeah. Uh, that won't that won't wash it. There, there is no point. Is there in giving an extension for three months or a year or tw- whatever and then having the same result? Need an extension for something, for another proposal to put to Parliament. Maybe you could do that before March or for for what for a referendum. I don't know and I don't want to be putting words in, in, in Prime Minister's mouth, mouth, in Patricia May's mouth now, but that, that has to happen. They have to come forward with a proposal. And, and you, a ref, uh, an extension of Article 50 can happen uh, by you needs to happen by unanimity. That means all the uh, heads of state or all the governments have to agree to it. All, all national, all nations, and they would do. I'm confident if they were doing it for a reason, because everybody wants to see the UK remain as close as possible. They want to facilitate them, but. Um, you know, we can't, can't do that until we have a, propo- a further proposal from them. So we'll see what you bring because, forward next be, Monday now. Because we're mm-hmm. just ten, 10 weeks until the UK-EU March 24th divorce date. And, you know, the EU President Jean-Paul Juncker was blunt in his assessment when he, he says time is almost up. There, there, yeah, there isn't a lot of time left. There isn't a lot of time left, yeah. 29th of March is... Uh, and I mean, I know people say, "Can you not be flexible on that?" Well, it, you can be. Well, you can extend it. But the the reason it's so strict is because the EU institutions or the, or the treaties are based on rules and procedures. Because otherwise, how do you operate with twenty eight different member states? So it's um, the t- there isn't flexibility on that, other than to formally request an extension. And time is time is run, running very short. I mean, in three years, in in June, June they'll have th- it'll be three years from their vote, and we're still no further along the line. And don't forget, this withdrawal agreement is 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 not about the next relationship or the future trade or whatever it's going to be. This is only the be- this is only the start of negotiations. Of the negotiations, yeah. This is, and there's three items in this withdrawal agreement. Again, there's, there's the Irish question, which people stand firmly by, and everybody spoke about this morning. Um, there was um, strong support from Mr. Barnier, head of commission, um, and those uh, our own grouping, as, as others supported for your, for Ireland, and we stand with Ireland on the backstop issue, not just because of, to facilitate trade on the island, but because recognise on that is based um, peace and prosperity on the island of Ireland. And the backstop, of course, ensures an open border on the island of Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's okay. it, yeah. So that has to, that 
needs to be maintained and that was echoed again by speakers this morning. And also a very interesting uh, part of the withdrawal agreement is, is the European citizens and UK citizens and what would their status be post the UK withdrawing. Now, uh, there are 3.4 million um, uh, UK European citizens living in, in the UK as European citizens, as you can do. You can move and freely and work and establish yourself. And there are 1.2 million UK citizens in Europe. So uh, part of the withdrawal agreement was establishing that that would be recognised and that they would be given um, established rights and they recognised that they're, former, they're EU members and, you know, it was all detailed in the withdrawal agreement and still is as to what their status would be. But now we don't have any uh, proposals for those people because the withdrawal agreement has been rejected. So these are these are real people, real lives. They have houses, jobs, children going to school, uh, whatever. And um, where do they stand now? So it's becoming urgent as well. Uh, it's not it's not so much a, an issue for Ireland because of the common travel area. We will always have that special relationship between Ireland and the United Kingdom. But, yeah. but I think it's important just to note that there are other countries as well who are affected. By this, uh, and particularly their citizens, so there's a, there's a real con- real concern around that, and of course the financial contribution that the UK to make the commitments that they've made under the funding programs, which will run until the end of 2020. That's how Europe operates: seven-year cycles, and um, they have commitments there to, to programs, various programs, and they had agreed to to pay for those or to contribute towards them, as, as, you know, as part of their former commitments and arrangements they had made and where does that stand now? What's the atmosphere like in Strasbourg today, Deirdre? Despair. Is it? Uh, yeah. Looking on and say, oh my God, could they not just, you know, tragedy, it's a tragedy really in some senses. Uh, it's, you know, looking on to say, could they not, you know, get it together for, and put their put their political differences aside and forget their pride and just um, deal with the real issues for real people on the ground that are going to be most affected at this because we see um, you see from the from the markets and from 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 business results that consumer confidence in the UK is down uh, spending was down over christmas retail spending was down uh so and that that's that's affecting people on the ground and uh so really i think people are just looking on in shock horror and disbelief and really could they not they need to get some cross-party political consensus at this point. I think people want to see Theresa May reaching out to um, her, her own other party members, or not other parties, but cross-party Labour, SNP. What can they do? What can they get an agreement on in the House of Commons that they can move forward? Okay. And what, what's your view on a second referendum? I know that Jeremy Corbyn has been pushing that for, for quite some time. It, it, is that the way to go? Um, well, that's if, if that that's a matter for the for the, U, for the UK government says what is the question they're going to put yeah. that second referendum? I mean, is it going to be a withdrawal agreement? Maybe not now because the Commons House of Commons has rejected it. Is it well? Listen, you know, here we are. What do you think? Do you still want to leave? And that's you can't put the same question again. I mean, I know people will say, well, the Irish government did to on the Nice Treaty, the Lisbon Treaty. We put a different question with protocols and clarifications around. Um, Social social issues or neutrality, uh, taxation. That's that's how we we addressed it. So, um, but it's a matter as it stands now. It's a matter for Europe to contact, or for for the UK to contact Europe with an alternative proposal. 
Okay, so okay. where where are we at? We've got Theresa May. There's the vote of confidence, which Listen she's tonight, and then she's coming forward, and she's expected to she, she's expected to win that. And then she's due. Is she due in in Brussels, Strasbourg on Monday? Is that the no? She's due to bring forward proposals. Okay, on Monday. That's three working days after her withdrawal agreement was rejected. That's the latest there. So she's going to do that on Monday. So we'll wait and see. Well, you wait and see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and your feelings on a Brexit reversal. Can you see it happening? Um, it will be your wish, I, I take point, it. No, it'll be my wish, yeah. So it's, yeah. Hard to, it's hard to separate that from what I want, what I can see. Um, I would. I mean, we just have to deal with what we have at the moment and that's a no-deal scenario is getting closer and closer. And uh, we have to be prepared for that. But okay. I wish we could. The ball okay. very much in their court, that's for sure. All right, dear, dear, we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that. Appreciate you taking you. time out uh, today, joining thank us. Uh, bye bye. Uh, Deirdre Clune, MEP for Ireland South, joining us live from Strasbourg, where you can even hear it in, in her voice, where there is this sense of despair in Strasbourg today, following the rejection of the deal in um, Westminster yesterday. 1815 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, this week, Cork County Council uh, voted unanimously to turn the former Middleton Yall railway line into a leisure facility for cyclists and walkers. Joining me to discuss the project, Yall based uh, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley. Good morning to you, Mary. Morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. You actually proposed this Greenway project. Were you thrilled to get the unanimous support of all of your colleagues? Yes, we were delighted. We were really, really happy because I suppose it's um, coming to the end of a long process, which you can imagine because these things take quite a lot of time. But yes, it was great on Monday. Um, unanimously, it was passed. I think mainly, Patricia, the reason that it was passed unanimously was that we had spoken to Irish Rail and they had told us that there is no way that there's a railway line coming back in the near future, in my lifetime anyway. And it was either look at the derelict site that we're looking at for the next 30 years or go with the proposed Greenway. So it was a no-brainer, really. So I was delighted. Yes, it's good news for you all, good news for Middleton and all in between. How much will the project cost and where will the funding come from? Well, it comes from the funding from tourism um, and as well as that, it what they're proposing at the moment is between 15 million and 19. Now that's initial costs. Like there's ducting, there's different type of fencing, there's there's lots of a process really to go through before we have an exact amount. But they're looking at around that and Cork County Council are willing to come up with 25% of the costing which is normal. Um, so they gave a commitment on Monday as well for that. And they all, we also put in, I suppose Patricia, which is worth mentioning on Monday, a kind of a clause that if Irish Rail were ever to reopen Open, that it would be handed straight back to them. All right, so that's important. While Irish Rail are saying at the moment there's no plans to open this railway line, but if, as you say, outside of our lifetime, 50, 60 years' time, it, would, it, it could revert back. 
it could revert even sooner if they felt, I suppose, that it would be um, viable. But at this precise time, they don't think financially it's viable to open the railway line. And like we've had these talks, I put a motion forward 15 years ago to reopen the railway line for y'all at town council level. And motions have been put forward over a number of years by myself, um, Councillor Liam Burke, who was a Green Party councillor in y'all, had motions going forward, which we all supported. Because really, it's a no-brainer. Like, if I thought there was... um, uh, and uh, any chance at all of a railway line reopening in Yall, I wouldn't even be mentioning a Greenway. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, to say, I'm going on the side, I suppose, that where I'm going, coming from, I'm talking about the constituents between Yall and Middleton who are looking at a derelict railway line for the last 30 years. And when this proposal came in, and there's 53 million in a pot with their department for Greenway projects, that we'd be, we'd be mad not to go for it, Patricia, to invest this into And Greenways are pro- proving extremely popular around the country. Massive. They're massively popular. And we spoke with, um, I suppose, Waterford County Council, who had a lot of upheaval when they were proposing theirs. They had a lot of farmers objecting. They actually went um, to the High Court with their objections on the Greenway because of land issues and that. And one of the farmers that was involved in the High Court was telling us below when we met with them that um, if he'd have known then what he knows now, he wouldn't have wasted the money or he wouldn't have went any further because he said, what it's after bringing economically to the area is massive. And neighbouring landowners, are they supportive of the Greenway? Yes, they are. They are great. County Council um, are in talks with them at all times. They're communicating with all times to let them know that whatever their queries are, they will be dealt with. Okay, stay there because Liam Quaid uh, wants to get involved in this uh, discussion. Good morning to you, Liam. Morning. I, I I see on my screen you're against the Greenway. Well, I just want to state at the outset that uh, the Green Party has always championed Greenways and we actually did so long before any other party. You know, we recognise that they have multiple benefits for communities, multiple health benefits, economic. Uh, we very much recognise that the Waterford Greenway has delivered um, a huge boost to that region and we very much want the same for East Cork and for Yall in particular. And uh, y- Yall has a, a fantastic tourism potential and we believe that it, it really needs um, more support to fully realise that potential. Um, so, you know, it's been very tempting uh, to accept this proposal, but we're also um, very much a party that's kind of attuned with the broader picture of regional development. And what we objected to in this plan is um, basically the sacrificing of an essential piece of infrastructure for our not only our future transport needs, but our current transport needs. Um, in order to bring um, the, the Greenway... To, but it's an infrastructure that's been lying idle for the last 30 years, Liam, and if you listen to what Irish Rail are saying, will possibly lie idle for the next 30 years. Well, I think we need to recognise that Irish Rail is actually um, a subsidiary of the government. You know, Irish Rail isn't this kind of independent body that makes uh, decisions by itself. It reflects government policy. Uh, so, you know, it's essentially a, a decision by the Department of Transport and not Irish Rail itself um, to to not invest in public transport outside of pretty much Dublin city centre. I mean, we have actually no major uh, transport plans or uh, projects underway either tw- in, in 2018 or 2019. Which, yeah, so, uh, there, so, so therefore, in the meantime, why not do something with this disused railway line and turn it into a greenway? Well, I guess it comes back to the very core need that any modern economy, any modern society has, 
of uh, getting people to work every day. And what we're seeing at the moment in every urban centre in Ireland, and particularly uh, in Cork City and County, is um, you know the region in the grip of traffic congestion on a daily basis. People are faced with this ordeal of being stuck in bottleneck after bottleneck. It's having a major impact on people's quality of life. All right, let, guess, me bring, let me bring Mary back in because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. And Mary, how do you answer Liam's criticism? I don't disagree with Liam in a million years. I don't disagree with him at all. And as I mentioned at the, from the onset of this, we've been fighting in Yall and East Cork for a railway line back um, for the last 20, 30 years since it's gone. But we have to look realistically at this, Patricia, and that is what I'm trying to do here. Realistically, in my lifetime, and, in, and certainly in my lifetime as a public rep, I am not going to see the railway line or Irish Rail coming back to y'all with a railway line. So in the meantime, as I mentioned, we are looking at a beautiful turntable. There's only two in Ireland in the Strand area of y'all that can be utilised. And we are looking at all in between villages that can be opened up while we're waiting for our railway line. But I am not going to look at a derelict site. If there's a chance of 15 to 19 million being invested in East Cork, I'm going to grab it with both hands. Okay. And, and, and there was also good news. Did I read somewhere that the uh, the lighthouse in Yall is to be turned into a tourist attraction? That's right, yeah. We, we received funding for that as well under the Village and, and Towns Enhancement Scheme, 75,000. So that's going to be reopened as well. And that's on the trail as you go out to the Greenway. We also received funding for Phase 2 of our boardwalk, which is on the beach beside where the Greenway will be. Um, so all these attractions are going to tie in together, Patricia, and the spin-off for the town and East Cork area will be massive. OK, you're doing well. I've got to leave it there. Thank you for that, um, uh, Councillor Mary Lennon Foley and also Liam Quaid, who joined us. Uh, on the discussion who is I've just realised is the Green Party candidate for the Middleton local electoral uh, area thanks to uh, Liam as well 1850 we're going to take a break we have news at uh, 11 on the way coming up in the next hour this proposal to give publicans a tax break if they're willing to offer to drive customers home Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see Breed haven.ie C103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Lots and lots of commentary coming in on Brexit and uh, people's views on what happened uh, yesterday and where we go from here. Let me bring you some of them. Tim in Donora. There is only, there is one small point missing in all of this. England ran a referendum in 2016 without knowing what exactly was going to be on offer for the people of the United Kingdom. It's now 2019. We all know the result last night. And if you listen to most ministers or MPs, they're totally against a second referendum. Mm, Unless you're in the Labour Party, the Labour Party are pushing for a second referendum. Anyway, my reading is says Tim and Donnerill if you wish to solve this problem put it, it put it back to the people give them a referendum. If people are accepting of what is coming down with Brexit uh, then let it happen and if not let them crash out and let the general public decide in the United Kingdom uh, Tim says I was watching primetime last night and Miriam O'Callaghan was asking did they think of Ireland in all of this but for the United Kingdom Ireland is not their biggest trade partner we might be theirs but they're certainly not ours. I think it's time for Ireland to leave the United Kingdom decide for themselves on what to do and stop jumping in. Tim also felt 
that Miriam O'Callaghan seemed to be begging last night on behalf of the Irish. Also, he says, on the six counties, can we actually afford a united Ireland? The UK invests millions uh, 10 million euros is what is the figure that Tim reckons um, they invest into, well that would be pounds wouldn't it, into the north, into into the six counties. Can we afford the six counties at this stage? That's from Tim in Donnerail, Jerry in Kildare. The only way this can be resolved is if the monarchy in the United Kingdom give back the six counties and make Ireland a 32 county sovereign state again it's the only way it'll work with the border issue says uh, Jerry. You'd, you'd have to see how people in Northern Ireland would feel about that Jerry. and I don't think it's down to the monarchy I think it would be an act of parliament for us to get a, a united Ireland of the six counties to, to come back but it's interesting while Jerry in Kildare sees it as the only way is for United Ireland. Tim and Donnerill is saying if we go if we push for the United Ireland, can we actually afford the six counties in the north in Northern Ireland? Keith in Cross Barry, I keep hearing about the border, but Ireland did not create the border. The United Kingdom did. Why am I never hearing about that? They created the border, not us. David and Kinsale, how can you get a deal when the DUP only want to remain in the United Kingdom? They won't go into power in the north. So the United Kingdom and Ireland Ireland would want to watch this or we could end up with violence again in Northern Ireland which I think is the one that most people are hoping will never ever ever happen uh, again. Coming in on a WhatsApp Michael says Patricia the House of Commons legislated last night for a no deal Brexit. They have to officially inform the EU on Monday with their plans are, as I've said earlier, they can cancel Brexit. It's at a most serious stage. Furthermore, more than £39 billion, that's what the United Kingdom will have to pay to get out of the EU. There are legal obligations and if Britain won't honour its legal obligations, then good luck with making any other trade deals around the world. Thanking you, says Michael. Some of your texts. Tim says, when Britain happens, when Brexit happens, the British will refuse alpine weather. Nobody has mentioned the impact of Brexit on the likes of stores like Tesco and Marks and Spencers and other outlets, British outlets in Ireland. Nobody's mentioned the impact it would have on events like Cheltenham, the opportunities for Irish students going to third level in the United Kingdom. That's if Brexit goes ahead and that will be an old deal Brexit. It would be like the cost to third countries, for example, Chinese students, when they go to Britain to study, they pay enormous fees. What about Apple and the farmers and fishing? Uh, We are finished, says uh, Tim. Pat says, morning Patricia, looking at England and the arrogance of them, it's just awful. Why can't they admit they got it wrong and get on with it? People are sick of Brexit at this stage and they are not going to beat the other 27 states. They're not dealing with a young fellow with a big ego like they did in 1922 and all because they don't want to bend to Germany and because of this ego, they will destroy Europe. And this will be this will be their third time doing it, says Pat. Okay, that's just some of the comments coming in on uh, Brexit. Thank you for that. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Can I just look at a couple of other issues 
that are coming in uh, to us on the... No, I'll leave that one there for a sec. Scam calls. This is Brenda in Mitchellstown. Hi, Patricia. I got four scam calls in the last 21 hours. They all look like they're coming from a local number, but of course they're not. It sounds like a recorded message. One of the messages said, Emily from Ireland, Aircom. We regret that we must disconnect your broadband connection within 24 hours. Press one. I hung up, obviously, says says Brenda at that stage. Please warn others to be careful. They are out and about with a vengeance at the moment. That's a lot of scam calls to get and annoying scam calls uh, to get in one day. Uh, Brenda, my heart goes out to you on uh, that one. Um, also yesterday, oh, this was the listener yesterday who is fighting breast cancer at the moment. Says, morning, Patricia. I spoke yesterday. And this was to do with delay, delays with smear tests. I spoke to you in text yesterday about smear testing and my own breast cancer and chemo journey. And I asked, have the HSE learned nothing? I want to clarify something there. The treatment, the care, the empathy and support that I've received from all staff in the HSE has been second to none. If our government really knew how much of themselves these wonderful people put into what they do every day, would they not just keep dodging this very issue and show us the ones who pay their salaries while we actually matter by making a real difference. Thank you for that and once again we do uh, wish you good health. And here's a lovely little text in from Michael in Bishopstown. Hi Patricia. I read a story about a little fish shop in Bandon. It was called the Little Red Fish Company. The owner, the man, Uh, the man who used to own it used to travel by horse and cart to Kinsale he'd buy his fish straight from the boats there and then he would work his way by horse and cart all the way from Kinsale to Castle Town Bear 100 miles by horse and cart selling his fish to farmers along the way he would keep his fish cool with wet bags then he would sleep in farmers sheds at night eventually arriving in Castle Town Bear where he'd start the process all over again and he'd buy more fish from the boats and work his way back up again, back to Bandon. My God, wasn't that hard work. The people of old used to work so hard and put up with so much to provide for their families. I thought you might enjoy this little story. That's a lovely story from Michael in Bishopstown and I was unaware of that. Has anybody else heard of that company? It was a fish shop in Bandon called the Little Red Fish Company. I don't know if it's still there or how long ago it closed or anything but thank you for that uh, 1850-333-103 Billy and Bandon was on about the sign of peace and shaking hands Billy says listening to those who are against the shaking of hands at the sign of peace at Mass haven't we as a nation come a very long way from the fairs which were held in towns remember years ago when a deal was done at a fair people used to spit into their hands and shake on it Imagine if you had to do that at Mass. You've just almost turned my stomach. <laughs> Clearly, but I know the point you're making. We have come a long, long way from somebody making a deal at a fair where they would spit on their hand and the deal was signed. 1850 333 C103 Jobs. PE Global, they're recruiting for a nurse. It's for a healthcare concierge position in Cork. Mike Fleming Motors, they're in Bohabui. They've got a vacancy for a part-time experienced bookkeeper. 
while Autism Assistant Dogs Ireland, the Mallow Branch, are looking for an assistant fundraising manager 30 hours per week. And a childcare assistant is wanted for Cora Childcare Facility. FeeTech Level 5 in childcare is required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, Cavan-based Fine Gael Senator Joe O'Reilly has called for a vehicle registration tax exemption for publicans who offer customers a lift home, a service that is becoming more common, in, particularly in rural areas. Uh, Senator Joe O'Reilly joins me with more on this. Good morning to you, Joe. Yes, good morning to you. Uh, you, 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 uh, And and lovely to talk to you as well. Now, this is all down to the tougher drink driving laws. Do you feel more rural people are becoming further isolated because they can't get out to the local pub? Yes, I absolutely do. But before I just get further into this, it is important to say that I support the drink driving laws, that I voted for them in the Senate. And I think it's, it's important that we save lives. And that's not an issue. But what is at issue is the fact that people are effectively prisoners on their own homes, that a lot of particularly people who live alone and people dispersed through the country have huge difficulty accessing a social life. And this arises from a few things. There's a lack of taxis, for one thing, and in some cases would be prohibitively expensive. And it's not financially viable for a taxi company to put a driver on the road late at night driving off to rural areas on low fares. So that's the difficulty. Now, I propose three solutions. As you say, it is custom and practice already that publicans in the main bring people home, and that's happening hugely, and it's great that it is. But I suggest, and it would be very small beer in terms of the national expenditure, uh, very, very little. There's a diminishing number of publicans, and there's only so many in each county and town. So what you would do is take the VRT off their vehicles uh, to incentivize them to go on leaving people home, number one, and to make the customer feel that they almost had a right to be left home, that was it, that the public was now being rewarded and not to feel under a compliment to them, as they would say in this part of the country. So uh, that's an important consideration. Uh, the second thing I propose is extending the rural link uh, program both in terms of geography and hours, getting it into more areas, getting the hours extended. And I've also discovered as I researched this and talked to people that its frequency is a little bit too strong in some cases and some of its existing routes and they could be reduced somewhat and expanded into further areas. And the third thing I propose is that we need to do something to incentivize taxi companies uh, to to work the night shift, to work the late night shift, a lot of them make the money, and reasonably so, on schools and health services during the day, and they don't work the night shift, and it's not a viable option. But we have to encourage this in rural areas. Now, it was interesting last night when it was discussed at a party meeting of ours, it's gaining huge traction both within my parliamentary party, where I raised it the other day, and within my organisation, and among the general public, uh, and we're going to discuss it in a very deep way at a specific parliamentary party meeting. But last night, one of my people at a, at a party meeting up in Cavan suggested that it could be looked at to incentivise some 
there's an interesting variant on it to incentivize some unemployed people, although there are a diminishing number, thank God, but some unemployed people with driving capacity to maybe uh, get a taxi or work for a taxi company at night during the awkward hours. But basically, we have to address it. I mean, and then fundamentally, people in rural Ireland have the same right to a social life. Yeah, and I think, certainly on the taxi one, I I think you've you've hit on one there because we on this programme would hear from people usually after the weekend on a Monday morning saying uh, the difficulty they had getting a taxi to take them to a rural area. They might have Absolutely. managed to make it into the bigger town or into the city sure. but when they go on, when they want to go home at 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning stranded because even though there were taxis there taxis drivers saying no, don't want to take that fare prefer to stay yeah. around the city. And prefer that's our experience here I mean Patricia you're absolutely correct and were you to talk to your colleagues in our local radio station they will tell you they are hearing the same and our local media. It's the very same here. And this is the issue. It's not a viable option and they'll make a lot of money on other services, the social services during the day and they feel, well, we're not going to work tonight. So it's a huge problem that it needs addressing. Now, since I started this discussion and even the other day in conversation with some colleagues, one or two have mentioned a few continental solutions as well that aren't on my list but would come into the mix when we discuss it as a parliamentary party. I'm not totally up to speed with them but they mentioned the Uber system and a number of other uh, solutions that are used on the continent to deal with rural isolation and we'd have to look at them all. I mean uh, there's none of my solutions that's the absolute sine qua non or the absolute answer uh, but they are a base for discussion, they can be tweaked and they can be developed. But what cannot go on is that people would be from health from a health point of view, from a quality of life point of view, from just basic rights point of view, we cannot leave people stranded out in rural places on their own. And, and then and then you know the other argument whenever we discuss this, Joe, and and I'm waiting, somebody will no, no doubt text it in sure. uh, where they always say, she they can go to the pub and not drink. Yeah, I know well Look, I mean, and that does happen to some degree, and there are designated drivers in some instances. But it's an unreasonable proposition. If somebody likes a few social drinks, uh, it's unreasonable to say that they they cannot go out and do that. Of course, to some degree, it would offer them an opportunity to meet the public. But no, I think it's it's not a realistic solution. Yeah, and and what what we're talking about, yeah, and and what we're talking about is mainly older men who like to go, and it might be a couple of pints. We're not talking about somebody going out and flooring ten whiskies. Oh no, they're past that stage, well past it. So it's it's no, it's a couple of pints, and a lot of those people that you cite, Patricia, are not going to go into a pub and drink a ballygowan water or whatever. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, of course not, but younger people will do that more quickly. And it's more in the youth culture to do that if you're going to be driving or whatever. But older people will stay at home rather than go and do that, you know. So. But this is a problem, while you're seeing it uh, in Cavan, it's reflected all over the country, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely. And that's obviously why you're getting so I reaction. I, I spoke, we, through our parliamentary party meeting the other day, with, and also we had our adult candidates present, and we had a large meeting for a large section of Monday. And when the meeting went to the floor, I immediately stood up and started the debate on this question. 
and uh, raised it and it got, I noticed that uh, between those who actually spoke publicly and then those who spoke to me privately at the, on the tea break that it's, it's, it's a very widespread problem that colleagues from various counties were able to say it's a huge issue for us too, you know. Okay, all right. We'll keep a close eye on it. I think you have hit on uh, something. As I say, uh, all over the country, people are going to be able to identify with what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, pleasure well, to talk you to so you, much. and, and thank thanks you for that. For no doubt, we'll talk again. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Cavan-based Fine Gael Senator uh, Joe uh, O'Reilly, and we have a lot, unfortunately, of rural isolation. Uh, men and women, but men, I think, in the main, who traditionally would have gone to the pub and would have taken the risk of driving home with the few pints in them and you know and as Joe said at the start nobody is advocating uh, drink driving but for many of them they are now stuck in their own homes and they just they you know even if there is a taxi service available to them sometimes it can be too expensive to pay for a taxi there and uh, back uh, so of course the the other side to that as well is is, is keeping an eye on our uh, neighbours if you do live in, in a rural area and you know that down the lane away from you an elderly couple or an elderly man or an elderly woman uh, and you are heading out to the pub that you might suggest knocking on the door to see if they would like to join you and like to go out for a couple of hours 1850 but we'll keep a close eye on that suggestion of the vehicle registration tax exemption for publicans give them some kind of an incentive so that more of the rural publicans would offer an incentive to drive their customers home we were talking about the sign of uh, peace at Mass that has come up again on the programme uh, this week. Mary Balancolic wants to move it on though to something that also happens at Mass but this isn't the sign of peace. She says, while you're discussing Mass would you ever bring up on your programme about receiving Holy Communion? I feel when I'm going up to receive Holy Communion that it is only the priest that should be handing out the Holy Communion not the ministers of the Eucharist. I don't, I won't go if it's a lay person. If so Mary goes into the church and makes a beeline to make sure that when she receives Holy Communion, it's a priest that's giving it to her, not a minister of the Eucharist. Mary feels very strongly about this and she feels it is the priest is the only one should be doing this role. And she said it got her thinking about it when we were mentioning the sign of peace and she's wondering how do others feel? Do others feel as strongly as Mary and Balancolic does that when she's in the church, she will make sure. Cause, you know, you go out to go to communion and you're not necessarily looking at who's handing out the communion. Not our Mary and Balancolic. She's keeping a close eye on the priest and will go into whatever queue, wherever he is handing out at communion. Do others feel the same? Are, are people quite happy to receive Holy Communion from ministers of the Eucharist who have been doing it now? God, it must be. Is it? 10, 15 years since ministers of the Eucharist were were introduced in, in churches all over the country. 1850 333 Your uh, John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And some of your comments coming in on the sign of peace. Sean and Carrick Navarre says regarding the sign of peace at Mass and in response to Noreen's anti Catholic email, Noreen had emailed in uh, saying, I thought rather tongue in cheek, saying the attitude of some people, oh, I wouldn't touch that one, the one next to me, sure, I'm much cleaner and holier, uh, not to mention more Christian than her. I th- didn't think that was a very anti-Catholic email. Anyway, Sean did. 
Um, regarding this issue it's disappointing that you highlight one person's ignorant disgusting comment on the wonderful and inclusive sign of peace when the vast majority of mass goers outside of Cork still enjoy still enjoy Ireland has indeed become a very cold house for practising Catholics. That's from Sean in uh, Carrig Navarre. Uh, Tom says, Hi Patricia, on the sign of peace and in particular the complainers. What do they do when they meet a person for the first time? Do they nod at them instead of giving them a handshake? And do they all have contactless credit cards or do they handle germ-free cash notes? Oh, what a laugh, says uh, Tom. And on the issue of germs, Kevin says, Patricia, on the subject of flu and germs, do you think that doctors' surgeries and doctors' practices should have hand sanitizers at the point of entry and exit? Not everyone is in the doctor's surgery or there with flu says uh, Kevin and you're if we certainly when you're in the waiting room of a doctor's surgery you are probably surrounded by people who are very unwell with all different kinds of, of uh, germs I wonder do, I, do, I'm, I'm assuming that there probably are some doctor's practices that do that that actually do have hand uh, sanitizers haven't come across any but I'm, I'm sure there possibly is. Has anybody noticed that there's hand sanitizers when you go into a doctor's practice? The leaving certificate year is well underway but the next important hurdle for students is their CAO application. Joining me with words of advice and to highlight some important dates is our career guidance uh, expert from Bandon uh, Roisin Kelleher. Uh, good morning to you Roisin. Good morning. Uh, and you are very very welcome. Thank now you. research, research, research yes. isn't that the most important? Know your course. Know your course, know the content of the course, all the details of it, and in fairness, all that information is freely available between the prospectus and, of course, on the websites. And not just knowing the title of the course, Patricia, it's so important that they, that they would say drill into it and go right down to the modular information. What exactly will you be doing? What do these words that they might use by saying computer applications or programming, what is it? So look at it. And then get as much information as you can. And if there are further details that one is not sure of, which may certainly be the case, then all you have to do is contact the college. And they're only too willing to give that detailed explanation to the students and to the parents. Yeah, because it's important for the colleges as well that students, when they start their course, that it is the right course and that they stay in the course. Because sadly, every year we see first years drop out and when they're asked, it wasn't quite what I thought the course was going to be. Well, that's that's sadly. And and, and we know it can happen. And they're in the middle of doing so much work with their subjects, which, of course, is absolutely understandable. But nevertheless, there is, is such importance about Uh, getting the detail of the courses. But it's important to say they have until the 1st of July. It's not all about neglecting their studies at this point and going into this massive amount of research. You can do it bit by bit. The only courses that they have to be particular about are the restricted courses. Those particular courses have to be stated on the CAO by the 1st of February. And they can still change the order of those and, of course, the restricted courses are the courses where there's something in addition to the Leaving Cert going on. So for medicine, it's going to be the HPAT. Now, it's understandable. They must apply for this in time. That's why, that's why it's a restricted course. I mean, veterinary medicine is also a restricted course. So the students there have to show that they actually have done 60 hours practice with a vet. Mm. And, uh, and this is very important because it gives an insight 
into that particular career. And then, of course, the other traditional courses, I suppose people would be a little bit more familiar with, would have been those associated, the creative ones of the audition, the music, your own world there in, in, in production and radio and broadcasting, or, of course, TV and the art. So they would be the most... With yeah, portfolios. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, they are the restricted, um, the restricted ones. But you the other courses are open for inclusion, moving around free of charge right up to the 1st of July. But of course, they must make an application. That's what's important to this And stage. that's, why, that's <laughs> why we're talking to you today. You also say be optimistic, confident and realistic in your choices. Yes, yes. Everything is possible. But you must count up the... Well, first of all, they must have the requirements for a course. That is any point applying for a programme. I mean, there's a great course in data science and analytics at UCC. I mean, I could say great courses about many things. But that particular programme does require an H3 in high-level maths. There's no use putting in for that programme unless the person believes they're going to have that. That isn't to say that a person might be on an H5 or an H4 at this stage and isn't at an H3 now. But they could be at an H3 by next June. Of course they can. But if they're in ordinary level maths, then... No, no point applying, you know, yeah. Let's yeah. be reasonable about these things. So check the entry requirements and yes, the points are published with the points that would have been there on the previous years. It gives an idea about what would be expected. Although the most important thing at all times is looking at the content of the course. In one sense, I would often say, don't base your application based on the points. That's the worst thing of all to be doing or, or doing some kind of second guessing in that regard. You must put down the course you want in genuine order of preference. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, there is a rise in the number of Leaving Cert students this year and the knock-on is expected that most courses, the points will go up. They could go up. Yeah. And of course there is. So the, 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 yes, the, that can happen. And, it, you know, it's a serious, it's, it's a very exciting time. It's a serious business. It costs a lot uh, to go to college. The accommodation costs that can come into it if a person is uh, studying away from home. So there's big considerations. And all of these are part of the research. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another one about being realistic. Can, if, for example, the only course you want to do is is in Dublin, can your family afford to fund you in in Dublin? So that's 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 just being realistic. Talk to me about key dates. You've mentioned the first of February, but this Saturday is also an important date. This Saturday is a very important day because uh, there there is information on the here and the there as well, which is very important, and that would be available at UCC free of charge. But if students make out their uh, application by this Saturday, January 20th, that's the application to the CAO, then they will get in for €30. Euro. After that, they can still make an application up to the 1st of February with a fee of €45. Euro. So it's in their own yes, interest. save a bit of money. Yes, yes, yes. Now, if they want to adjust it, then they can do that at a later stage. But if they really make an error on it, the CAO makes the course to make the application of the CAO available from the 5th of February to the 1st of March in order to change things there. But if a person has made a mistake that they feel they shouldn't have made, then they will charge them an extra €10. Euro. Okay. So therefore, it, it's important to, you know, to be steady about it and just take your time and don't be rushed. They, on the CAO website, there's a demonstration. It shows you how to go through the detail of what is involved in it. And I have no doubt whatsoever that the guidance counsellors are doing this very frequently in the schools with the students. So all they have to do at this stage, really, is just follow 
the prompts that are on the CAO website, put in their name, put in their school, put in their date of birth, but be careful about it. And then they must uh, insert the payment for it. After that, then, the options on level eight, which are the honours degree programmes, the level seven, the ordinary degrees, the six, the certificate, that option opens up. For many students, they mightn't even go into that at this stage. And that's okay, unless it's a restricted course. So, but naturally, if they have an idea about what they want to do, well then, why? Of course, there's nothing wrong with putting down the courses that they are considering at this stage. They can still review it. They can still change them. They can still put in extra courses outside of the restricted ones, free of charge, up to the 1st of July. Okay, but, but, but that process won't open until unless you st- Yeah, but you need, to, you need to start the application. Yes, and, and you need can. to start Okay, you mentioned up. here and the other one, DARE. Dare. Now, talk to you about the two of those. They, they, uh, of course, these are for students where that might be applicable for those particular students. So this is very important to help students that mightn't otherwise attend to college. So we have the DARE, the Disability Access Route to Education, and they used to call them clinics, we call them information sessions. That's available this Saturday in UCC. And here, the Higher Education Access Route to Education, depending on socioeconomic factors, again, information about that. But these are all available on site as well, under all the w's.accesscollege.ie. But if a person wants to meet the people in person, then they can do so free of charge by attending at this information session in UCC this Saturday. Okay. Mature students? Mature students, again, are a very important category. And the mature students uh, have to submit more details about why perhaps they should uh, get a particular course. So their application is generally a paper application. And so it's very important for mature students to make direct contact with the college providers. So if they're interested in going to UCC or to CIT, then they should get on as soon as possible to those colleges, discuss the situations or the the courses that they're interested in, and take the details from there. For some of the colleges, they would put on special um, exams or, or kind of assessments, if you like, because there can be high numbers of people attending as mature students. Although I understand that number has dropped somewhat uh, last year. Has it? Has it? That's interesting. And and I mentioned earlier, you know, college isn't, isn't for everyone. Let's, let's not forget the apprenticeships. The apprenticeships are a huge area. And again, of course, the uh, post-leaving certs will be another area. But the apprenticeships, traditionally the apprenticeships would have been very much to do with the crafts. What we say, carpenters, mechanics, electricians and all of those. And these are extremely important areas for careers and have been in the past, but of course with the turn down in the construction industry, many people shied away from them. But they're back here now in a huge area of opportunity. So they're there. So if our students or parents went into the website apprenticeships.ie, they will see all of that detail. But they'll see more than the craft. They will see so, one. Uh, now. Well, well, I know you, you sent us on a copy yeah. of, of something. And I was just blown away. I mean, there's things there like um, auctioneering and property auctioneering. services, accounting technician yes. you do as an apprenticeship, yes. uh, aircraft mechanic. Yes. It's, it's incredible. And if you were to read a little bit further, Patricia, look at the one that says there about the IF specialist. Go into that one. And you see a two year apprenticeship. Now, it's a diploma. Yeah. And during that two years, the persons involved can earn up to 34000 
Goodness me, goodness me. We need, we need, and we will need more uh, apprentice uh, going forward. But on that one, there's going to be a big, like you might say, an open day. But it's it's going to be a day where they will go through the detail of that. It is in Dublin. I'll be talking that we're having an update on this uh, on Friday for guidance counsellors. But they're going to have a, a skills live, Ireland Skills Live, in the RDS Dublin between the 21st and 23rd of March. Okay. Where all of the uh, current uh, apprenticeships and the more, even this morning when I was talking to them in Dublin about the apprenticeships, they said another new one was being rolled out today in engineering. So this is an ongoing process. But there will be this uh, skills uh, live event, I suppose we could say, uh, between the 21st and 23rd of March in Dublin in the RDS, where all of those will be displayed. Okay. And, and, and the people and in them will be there. Ready and to and we hopefully will talk to you about that closer to the date. But before we let you go, to go today, uh, I want to mention there is a talk for students and parents there is, in yes, Bandon. I'm doing this uh, in, in Bandon on this Friday on the 18th of January at 7.30 in the Allen Institute. Okay, and, and everyone's welcome uh, to go. It's advisable that they would just contact the Bandon Tuition Centre just to know if a person is interested. So Owen O'Leary in the Bandon Tuition Centre advised that so that they'd have an idea of numbers because the Allen is a lovely, a lovely place. Lovely venue. But it's just a matter of the numbers, of course, and health and safety. But uh, yes, this, this talk, I'm going to give this talk on uh, Friday evening in the Allen Institute and all are welcome. And it's, for, it's, and it's for parents and students because yes. it is important that the parents sit with the students and the students listen to the parents and that everybody has a very open and a frank discussion about what they want to do and where, where they want, where to, they want to go. No pressure on anyone and it's just a matter to make an informed choice and yeah. to avail of the wonderful opportunities that are there and to seek information in time and to get the correct information and to know how to research. It's about empowering people. Mm. Yeah, that's, Now the Susie yeah. Grants and all of that, I was checking with them as well and of course the costs are a very big issue but the Susie Grants, that process hasn't opened yet and will not open until they expect the first week of April but they suggest to check at the Susie site see what would be on that. Yeah, that's become a much easier system now, isn't it? I mean, a number of years ago, we would have every year been doing interviews about delays with the payment of grants. But since Susie's been introduced... It's going much smoother. Much smoother, much smoother. And of course the exam itself this year, Patricia, is going on a little bit longer because there are more subjects added now onto the Leaving Cert. So it usually would have ended in the past on that last Friday in June. I'm only saying this in case people with holidays. Yeah. So depending, of course, obviously the students have the timetable so they know where that applies. So it actually goes on to Tuesday the 25th of June. And the Leaving Cert exam results themselves will be coming out a little bit earlier this year. And so they're coming out on the 13th of August, uh, which we expect the first issues of the CAO now coming on the 16th of August. Oh, and that's a change. Other, yeah, yeah. Remember last year there was a student, the veterinary student, and she didn't yeah. get the, you know, yeah. for the, the, the recheck. 
and it, it didn't come through soon. She went to the high course with it. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And that's because that the courses start earlier. So okay. everything has been tightened up all a right. little bit. Okay, they're all and important dates. be aware dates. of that with the holiday area. We, we will talk again, Roshan. Yes. In the meantime, thank you for that. You're very and, welcome. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Our career guidance expert, Roshan Keller, with a reminder, she will be addressing that talk for parents and students, the Allen Institute in Bandon, this Friday at half past seven. 1850 We're going to take a break. We've news at 12 midday on the way. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. We mentioned scam calls earlier on and somebody had been on that they'd had an annoying number of uh, scam calls this morning. Well, Tony in Kilworth has been on to say, and he counted them, he had 14 scam calls yesterday, all of them claiming to be from air and all saying the same thing as our previous caller, that the broadband was going to be uh, cut off. Tony says the uh, the funny thing is he's not even a customer of uh, air. He got 14 calls the first was at 10 to 9 yesterday morning and uh, he got the last one at 2 o'clock yesterday. So between 9am and 2pm yesterday, 14 calls. I'm wondering, is that a record, Tony? We've heard of people getting three and four, maybe five scam calls over a morning, but 14, it's, it's incredible uh, number. If you can, if you have a smartphone, if you can try blocking them, but then they just keep changing the numbers, don't they? But it's very, very annoying indeed. We have told people, some providers, if you're able to get onto your providers, are able to block them. So if that's of any use to you, hopefully that they'll stop when they realise that, that uh, you know they're scams, Tony, and they're not going to get any money out of you. Still getting a lot of reaction in the sign of peace and receiving communion from lay people. Um, Nancy and Bantry was on. This is to do with the doctor's surgery when somebody wondered, have they hand sanitizers with the amount of flu that's doing the rounds at the moment? Nancy was at her doctor's surgery during the week and she said they did have a hand sanitizer in the hallway. She, she said she was very impressed. She hadn't seen it before. So I'm wondering, will we see more and more of that at GP uh, practices? Plus, she wants to comment on uh, Mary in Ballancolic who contacted us about Holy Communion and who doesn't like receiving Holy Communion from lay people. She will only go, she will make sure when she's at Mass that she gets into the queue where the priest is handing out the communion. She doesn't like and, and won't take communion from a minister of the Eucharist. Um, Nancy in Bantry wonders if she was out in the street and had an accident and was seriously injured, would she refuse Holy Communion from a lay person then? James in Cloyne says Eucharistic ministers, when they first started to be introduced in our parishes, they used to wear gloves, but they don't anymore. Also, James thinks that the altar service should be allowed to give out Holy Communion as people, he feels, would be happier to receive Holy Communion from an altar server than from uh, a Eucharistic minister. James knows that some people will avoid certain Eucharistic ministers. So Mary in uh, Balancolic, who kicked off that discussion, is not on her own. There are other people who will completely avoid a minister of the Eucharist and will make sure that they go to a priest instead. Sheila in Mornabi was on to us this is back to the sign of uh, peace. She feels if they stopped, if they completely stopped the sign of peace and the shaking of hands of the sign of peace, it would make for a very cold uh, church. She does know in St Augustine's Church in the city, they don't shake hands, they nod at each other. But if people are worried about picking up germs from the person next to them in the church, why not bring a tiny bottle of hand sanitizer with you? You can pick up a bottle for as little as, as a euro in most shops. Also, she says to Mary in Balancolic, worried about lay people giving out Holy Communion, she better get used to it 
as due to the lack of priests. This is the way the Catholic Church in Ireland is going to be going forward. Once the host is blessed, says Sheila, and consecrated, it doesn't matter who is giving out the host uh, to you. Donald says, I don't mind lay people giving out communion, but where I live, there is one minister of the Eucharist. It's a gentleman. When he gives out the communion, he smokes before going into the church before Mass. And when you go up to receive communion, you can actually get the smell of smoke on the host. Same man then lights up the minute he leaves the church. I don't agree with that. I think that people who are selected and go forward to be ministers of the Eucharist need to be a bit more respectful. Are you suggesting, Dona, that a minister of the Eucharist shouldn't be allowed to smoke or if they are smokers that they should make sure that they don't smoke before going into the church and uh, certainly not lighting up the minute they go out of the church. Donald found that offensive. 1850-333-103. Liz in Mallow by text. Patricia, what really annoys me about the sign of peace of Mass is the reluctant half-hearted wet fish handshake that I've received on occasion. It actually puts me off going to certain churches, says Liz in uh, Mallow. While Mary says, Patricia, I have arthritis in my fingers and I actually wish they would stop the handshake at Mass because it hurts my fingers. Oh, God help you. That's a, that, and your Mary is would be half-hoping that Liz, who sent in the previous test, that she was next to somebody who would be giving her the wet fish handshake because what happens to poor old Mary is if she gets somebody who has a nice firm grip and her poor hands crippled with the arthritis, it's going to be quite uh, painful. I feel your pain, uh, Mary. Also, this is on, is this on the sign of peace? Well, this is Mary by WhatsApp. Hi, Patricia. Just a comment on the sign of peace. Handshake and mass. I think it's all gone a little bit PC uh, about Eucharistic ministers. What about Eucharistic ministers who drink the wine from the same chalice as the priest and the other ministers on the altar else? I don't think a wipe of the cloth could be removing all germs. I once saw a priest cough into his hand and then go to give out Holy Communion. Ask your listeners, would they help a homeless person whose personal hygiene isn't the best through no fault of their own? Maybe Jesus wasn't the cleanest of people. We don't know. He helped the lepers, the dying. There was no hand sanitizers back then. Would everybody just relax a little bit, says uh, Mary. OK, that's just a sample of some of your texts and calls coming into the programme uh, this morning. On a completely different topic, hi Patricia, would you please give a mention to a new eight-week social dancing class with Michael Welton. It's going to go on in the Lep Inn beginning next Wednesday, the 23rd, this day week, from 9 to 10.30. You're advised to come along. You can learn to waltz, to foxtrot, trot to do the quick step and many more. Everyone's welcome but it they especially welcome beginners and improvers and it is a great way to make friends it's a great way to get fit uh, Cezanne and also it is a great bit of uh, fun there you go social dancing and we've mentioned before particularly when we hear from people who are feeling isolated and no one to go out with when people get to a certain age and they feel they're gone past going to the nightclubs. They're gone past going, or they may, maybe they're not drinkers and they don't want to go uh, to the pub and they're always looking for where could they go you know, to make new friendships and meet people and get out socially. And every single time that gets mentioned, we will get a string of calls from people saying, tell them to take up social dancing. And social dancing goes on all over, certainly all over the count, uh, county. 
I'm assuming it goes on in the city as well, but it goes on. There, there are very few community halls, I would say, across North Cork, East Cork and West Cork where there won't be social dancing going on at some stage. Maybe not every week, but certainly a couple of times uh, a month or at least once a month. And then people might be put off saying, oh, I don't, I don't know how to dance. I'm not a very good dancer. Would I need a few lessons? So there's the opportunity. Eight weeks social dancing class with Michael Welton. Lep in uh, beginning next Wednesday night, nine to half ten. And if uh, Anne, who sent that in by WhatsApp, if you'd send that in to me again next week, because I know I'll have the best of intentions to mention it and then it'll go out of my head. So if you send it in to me again next Wednesday, I'll make sure that I give another mention to it so we can put it into people's heads for next uh, week. And I've been asked to mention that there is a collection going on. Isn't this happening this weekend? It is. It's the annual collection for the Simon community. It's taking place next Sunday in Clonakilty Parish uh, Centre, which is next to the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Clonakilty. There will be people there from 9am in the morning until 1. And they particularly are looking for, this is for the Simon community, so they help and deal with uh, so many homeless people. So they're looking for things like single duvets. They're looking for duvet covers. They're looking for sleeping bags, fitted single sheets, bath towels, ladies and gents, socks, and any non-perishable food items. So if you can help out in any way with that and you are in the West Cork area, want to go along to Clonakilty Parish Centre this coming Saturday. If you're having any kind of a clean out and you've got decent duvets, clean duvets that you're not using anymore, uh, you've got a hot press like most of us have with way too many duvet covers in it. And you'd like to get rid of some of the covers or the sleeping bags or the fitted sheets or the bath towels. Uh, please drop them in uh, all for the Simon community. And we wish everybody good luck uh, with that particular collection. Uh, John Paul is continues to take your calls 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie The Formoy Widows Association They're holding their next meeting tonight At the Resource Centre in Formoy It's at 8.15 All widows and friends are uh, welcome And as part of Operation Transformation, Ireland Lights Up campaign, Kilshanik GAA are turning on their floodlights on the main pitch tomorrow Thursday from 7 to 9pm and they'll do it every Thursday night. It begins tomorrow night and it continues for six weeks. The aim is to provide a safe and well-lit area for walking during the dark winter evenings. All are welcome. And Kolosh, the Pobble, Navemira in Butterfin soccer team, they're playing Killing All of Tipperary in the final of the John Murray Cup Munster section. That's happening tomorrow, Thursday. Kickoff is at half past 11 in Cullen Latin. Your support would be much appreciated. A concert will be held in St Mary's in All Saints Church of Ireland. River Town Glanmire this Friday starts at 8. Carrie Tool Gospel Choir and St Mary's Church Choir from Rivertown will take part. Donations will be accepted on the night and it's for the upkeep of the church and it is also for the Simon community. Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. Thank you to somebody who sent in a text to say the Little Red Fish Company 
This is the fish shop in Bandon is alive and kicking and uh, is open. Thank you because somebody had sent in a lovely story. Michael in Bishopstown had uh, just read and found out about this little shop in Bandon called the little, he called it the Little Red Fish Company and how the man who started it used to go by horse and cart down to Kinsale buy the fish and then would travel from Kinsale to Castletown Bear 100 miles on the horse and cart selling the fish along the way to farmers and then when he got to Castletown Bear he'd buy fish from the boats from the fishermen in Castletown Bear and then he'd work his way back up again and that's how his business actually started and he'd keep his he had the fish cold along the way with wet bags and he would often sleep in farmers sheds uh, at night I think an incredible story but the shop is alive and well and kicking and that certainly is good to hear thank you and thank you there's no name on the text whoever sent that in because I when, when I started talking about it I was unaware of the shop and I didn't know for sure if it was uh, still going or not so good to know that that's a business I don't know how many years that business is going Uh, and let's hope it's going from strength to strength. On Brexit and said, hi Patricia, the so-called backstop is pulling for no deal and border checks. I thought the backstop is to prevent border checks. In the case of a no deal, the backstop will mean nothing at all, Suzanne. Well, I think from the from the Irish point of view and certainly from our politicians and our MEPs, that is our big worry. Nobody, nobody but nobody wants to go back to the days where we had border, where we had a hard border and where we had checkpoints when people wanted to travel between north and, and south and when goods had to be checked and people had to be checked. Um, nobody, you know, nobody wants to go back to that. So, yeah, and if there is a no deal, nobody knows. I mean, that's we're very much in that situation that nobody really knows where where do we go uh, from here. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Some of your calls in um, the sign of uh, peace. Mary Mallow said the priest announced at mass last Sunday that there will be no more handshaking at mass uh, due to the flu outbreak, and the Eucharistic ministers also would not be drinking the wine from the chalice. Yeah, and I think, actually Mary, I think that's what kicked off this discussion on the programme on Monday when somebody had been at Mass on Sunday and thought that it was a good, a great move on behalf of the priests of the parish in Mallow when they decided to stop the sign of peace and the person was was, was wondering where all, where all the churches have followed suit. And it does seem to be, it's an individual choice. It seems to be up to the parish priest in each parish whether they decide to stop the sign of peace because of the flu outbreak um, at the moment. Joan in from Moy says, I never approve of shaking hands at the sign of, of peace. And Joan's reason for it is interesting. She said, I know a lot of people who are ill are people who are uh, fighting cancer and they're undergoing chemotherapy. They would have a very low uh, immune system. I don't like receiving the host on the tongue either, says Joan. With saliva germs, it can be passed from one person to the other. But Joan says you never hear anybody complain uh, about that. But people with the low immune systems uh, can pick up uh, germs very, very easily indeed. OK, on germs. Anne in Glamire was on to say last Monday night on RTE, they had a programme called Clean Up Ireland. Haven't seen it, one of those ones I must try and watch on, on the player. Uh, Anne says, I would give that programme 10 out of 10. The programme should be shown in every school and college in the country. It featured Cork and North Cork. Uh, But while a good programme, it was so sad to see how we deal with our rubbish. Did other people watch that programme? Clean up Ireland. It was on on Monday uh, night. 
uh, certainly Anne thought that it was a, a stunning programme. Did anybody else watch it? Anybody else? Would anybody else agree with Anne that the way forward to go on it would be to actually make sure that every school child and that every college student sees the programme? Even though the school children with the green programmes that they're doing in the school, I, I have great hope and faith for the future generations. Um, I have great hope for the for the future generation of our children because of those green projects that they're doing in schools. Young children today are becoming very aware of rubbish and not dumping uh, rubbish. 1850-333-103. Now, last Sunday's Dancing with the Stars saw the ladies take to the dance floor to show off their fancy footwork in front of the judges. And we certainly thought Mrs Brown's boys star Eilish O'Carroll smashed her tango. Eilish has taken some time out from, from rehearsals to join us today. Good afternoon to you, Eilish. Good afternoon to you, Patricia. Well, well done. You were fantastic on Sunday night. How oh. did you? How did you yourself feel the dance went and after the dance? I, I, I gave it my all. I loved the dance. I absolutely loved it, and um, I had to resist smiling. I was having such fun while I was dancing. You know, when you have that feel good factor, and you you just feel wonderful. And I thought, and when you when you feel wonderful, you want to smile. Yeah. But of course, in the tango, you can't. So, Stony so that face. Was really hard. So I looked as if I have, was sucking a sour lemon <laughs> because I was I was squeezing every you know <laughs> my mouth together so it didn't break into a smile. Nerves? Were you nervous? I was extremely nervous. Um, but I actually, ha- I think I had it under control. I was very nervous the first week. The first week, the, the nerves consumed me and it actually spoiled it for me. And I thought, I can't allow that happen. I have to go out now and just remember that I'm dancing with this wonderful young man and no one else is there. We're just having, we're just going out there to do a tango. And I loved every minute of it. And you're very used to the stage and, you know, live performances. Yes. So people would think, why would Eilish or Carol get Absolutely. People always make that assumption Patricia you know that you're never nervous when you go on stage of course I'm nervous going on stage every time I go on stage I'm nervous but you actually bring that you know they they subside after a while but this is a bit different because I'm going out as I show Carol I've no character to hide behind and you know because we need such a lovely character if she gets things wrong people which she always does People find that extremely funny. I'm going, Eilish goes out there and really kind of makes a mess of this tangle. That ain't going to go down too well. They're That's not a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> They're not going to be laughing. There was, going to be going, ah, bless her. There was yeah. great reaction on Twitter. You got wonderful positive words from the judges. Does that yes. boost your confidence? Oh, absolutely. Because, you you know, I thought, well, no, maybe, maybe I... I deserve uh, to be taking part in this competition. You know, I can put one foot in front of the other. And they were extremely encouraging. Um, you know, and, and all their criticism was extremely constructive. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, and that's helpful. I am trying to keep the chin up, Patricia. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, um, you know, work from my core. I'm trying to drop my shoulders. Um, that is just, you know, obviously my posture over the years is extremely bad. And when you have to think of all of those things and the steps. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. So it's got, you know, head, you know, head up, chin up, you know. Look, I'm always look. saying this is one of the tougher reality shows. It's, it really it really is. What, oh, what, what dance experience or do you have any dance experience? I don't. Other than, you know, I've, all, I, I've always loved music and I've always loved dancing. But I'm one of those, you know, disco dancers. I go, yeah. when, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, my mother used to teach me how to dance when I was very young. Uh, around the kitchen in, the, in a very small kitchen um, and she'd teach me how to do the foxtrot on the walls but uh, believe you me it resembles it does not resemble the walls <laughs> I have seen on Sunday right I'm going mother 
you failed me. <laughs> <laughs> was it an easy decision, though, to sign up for the show? It was, because they had asked me the first year, and unfortunately, because of work commitment, and the second year, I couldn't do it. So when they, you know, I, I thought, well, that's it. They're not going to come back to me. So, you know, they did, and I, and I, I didn't hesitate. I thought, if I have this the time I will actually sign up for it um, you, you know and of course then the reality hits you when you actually then start all the rehearsal and meet all the dancers and realise that you are in a master class for dancing mm. an absolute master class it can be a bit daunting but I'm looking at the positive I'm trying to be really well I am really positive about it what a wonderful opportunity to have absolutely you know, to, 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 to learn a new skill at my age and and uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And a different uh, dance uh, every week. Is there one is there one dance you're particularly looking forward to learning? Well, I I, I it's a tough one. I I do like the kind of the Latin dances because they're so upbeat and so happy and so feel good. Now whether I can do it or not is another thing, but I do like the, you know, you know the old hips moving and and yeah. so on and so forth. So yeah, rather than gliding gracefully with, with a waltz. You prefer to be more upbeat. Hold on. Can you hold on? Yeah, you okay? Oh, sorry. No, you can't, yeah. Patricia. Hold no. on. Okay. Sorry, I'm just having an interview. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I won't you, keep you, you much longer. You're, you're, you're at rehearsal, are you, at the moment? I'm at rehearsal at the moment, okay. yeah. And I'm I know you're... every day. You're not, you're not, you're not allowed day. to say what the dance is. We've got to wait on, until Sunday. So just talk me through yes. that. How much rehearsal time do you have every week? Well, you know, they ask you to commit to at least 12 hours a week. And unfortunately for me and a lot of the other dancers, 12 hours just doesn't cut it. So I'm coming in every single day. I'm doing an average of about four hours a day. Whoa. Some days it's maybe five hours. Some days it could be three hours. But definitely every day. I haven't missed a day. That's exhausting. It is. And then you're dancing all day Saturday because you're rehearsing, obviously, and doing the dress rehearsals and getting yourself, you know, camera shots and so on and so forth. And the same on Sunday. I don't stop dancing until I go to bed. <laughs> and, and is that the lovely part of it, the dressing up? Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, it's lovely, the glitter and the glam and so on and so forth. It's fantastic. And so, different from, and so different from Winnie. Listen, we're, all, we're all behind you in Cork, that's for sure. Lots, lots of people want to wish you all the best. Yeah, great. I, and it's just it's so lovely to know that. OK, and we have our and own local dancer, young Demi, who didn't fare too well with the judges last week. She'd, uh, oh, young Demi. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, it's the first week, you know, I, I don't think you can go by the marks on the first week. Yeah. I think, again, most of her, her comments were very encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, herself and myself were down the bottom of the league and I said to her, don't worry about that. We're another week. <laughs> Good on you. I'll let, I'll let <laughs> we have another shot at it. I'll let you yeah. get back. We'll talk again, Eilish. In the meantime, thank you for that. Okay, thanks a million. And thanks Cheers. for joining us. Bye, 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 bye. The, the lovely Eilish uh, O'Carroll, who who I certainly do feel she smashed that uh, tango last week, as did our own young uh, Demi from uh, Mallow, who did the, the cha-cha-cha. And I thought for an 18-year-old, I thought she did very well. And I thought it was some of the criticisms of her, I thought was very, very unfair. And actually, I read a piece yesterday in the paper. There was further criticism of Demi Isaac, who joined John Paul in studio a couple of weeks ago before the, the first show, that there was some criticism in the papers yesterday about the fact that Demi is taking part in Dancing with the Stars. She's an 18-year-old. She's a student at Davis College in Mallow. And of course, she's sitting her leaving search. I mean, she was speaking, I don't know if you saw the TV programme on Sunday night when, when they were 
they were talking to her after her dance she was done but the fact that she had a history exam she had an exam on the 1916 Rising uh, on Monday morning but there was some criticism that she shouldn't the fact that she is sitting her Leaving Cert and how important the Leaving Cert exam is and the stresses that go with sitting your Leaving Cert that RTE came in I think for flack saying that they shouldn't have asked her to take part in the Dancing with the Stars this year. Now, they defended the criticism. They said they, they have spoken. Obviously, Demi has worked as a professional actress in The Young Offender. So she's well used to getting that balance of schooling and work. You know, even at her young age of 18, she already has a, a work and school and, and, and a life uh, balance. But RTE defended it, saying that they spoke with um, Debbie herself, obviously, uh, her guardians, um, the school, the principal, and everybody was in agreement that she would be able to do it. And I think it's interesting hearing Eilish saying uh, 12 hours is the commitment. So, I mean, if you can, if, if that's all now, it's, it's up to individual dancers to put more in. I suppose the judges last week did say to Demi that she needs to put more time in, in time into it. That's when she'll come under pressure if she's trying to, if she's committed to 12 hours and then she feels she's going to have to give it more than 12 hours on top of going to school every day and on top of doing the additional work that you need to do for your leaving cert. So we'll look out for them all again on Sunday. I think all of them are dancing this Sunday. But my thanks to Eilish O'Carroll, better known to us as Winnie from Mrs Brown's uh, Boys, but she certainly, I thought, did extremely well when she was dancing last Sunday night. 1850-333-103. When we're talking about dancing, and I mentioned social dancing and other social dancing classes uh, going to be going on this day week in LEP. John, who has contacted us from the, the Galtis, said, does anybody know or could anyone teach social dancing in the North Cork a- area? Anywhere around the Formoy, Mitchellstown, Mallow areas. He says... There are a lot of us who would love to take up social dancing in North Cork. But any time you announce classes that are going on, they have a tendency to be in Limerick or in Cork City or in West Cork. Does anybody know of social dancing classes going on in the North Cork area from Moy, Mitchellstown, Mallow? Let us put it out there now in the hope that somebody will know of a class that's going on and we will be able to point John in the right direction and he he says a lot of us so I'm assuming he's got friends who've been talking about it and would like to go and take up social dancing classes in the North Cork area. And earlier we had a WhatsApp in from a listener saying three of my son's friends are driving to school at 16 years of age on tractors. How different are they to the rest of the school on provisional licences? And what's the legality around driving a tractor? Now, I know, just on a quick check on this, in order to drive a tractor on the road, you must have a Category W licence. According to the Road Safety Authority, the minimum age at which you can apply for a Category W licence is 16. Furthermore, the RSA say any vehicle used in a public place must be covered by third-party insurance and a public place does include the public roads, a mart and a factory yard. But I'm assuming that what the RSA, when, when they say that a young guy or girl of 16 can drive on the road, I'm assuming it's, it's doing farming work. I would never have thought that, and I have never heard of that before, is how common or uncommon is that? As somebody living in a rural area, 16, so at 16, 
they won't have a, um, a license to drive a car but they do have one of these W licenses. Is there is there does is there a test that goes with that as well? But they will have a W license to in or, in in order to allow them to help out on the farm is the reason, isn't it, behind that particular license to drive a tractor? But has has anybody heard of? According to this listener, they know of three young lads at sixteen who are driving to school on the tractor, and then what they just park it up go and spend their day at school and then hop on the tractor and drive back home again. And I'm assuming, is it the, is it the, is it the only mode of transport if they know other way of getting to school and that the, the families are, the parents are busy, can't drive them to school? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is all about, but and I certainly, I don't, I don't ever remember discussing it on the programme, but in order for them to drive on the road, they need to have a category W licence that's according to the Road Safety Authority. But as I say, I don't know how common uh, or uncommon that is. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Jerry in Middleton said after Sunday Mass in Middleton, people who attended the Mass park, people who attend the Mass park on the footpaths and yellow lines. But this is making walking, this is making us walk off the footpath onto the roadway. It's a very busy road from Ballinacorra to Middleton. So could you please mention this on your programme, said Jerry, and could drivers please stop parking on the footpath near the Catholic Church in Middleton uh, during Mass? And in particular, don't be parked up on double yellow lines. You're forcing people out onto the road and a very busy road it is. 1850-333-103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, it's Ivan. Have a great Wednesday. Cork's More Music Breakfast is back on the air tomorrow morning between 6 and 10. The perfect soundtrack for your breakfast time, your commute into work, or if you're just dropping the kids into school. Make me part of your morning routine. €1,220 could be yours on tomorrow's show. Cork's greatest hits, the latest and most up-to-date traffic info, and all things Cork. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we were talking about young people driving a tractor to school. And this was prompted by one of our listeners who said three of her son's friends are driving to school on a daily basis. They're 16 years of age and they drive on the tractors and they park up outside the school and then they in they go to school and then they go home back on the tractor. And this listener was saying, how different are they to the rest of the school on provisional licences? Because we know the clampdown on someone on a learner permit, as it's called now, the old provisional licence, if they are caught driving without a qualified driver, there it's not just they are going to find themselves in trouble, but due to the Clancy Amendment, they also, the owner of the car is going to find them in trouble. But it's a different kettle of fish when it comes to tractors and I I did a bit of just while the news was on I was checking it out and you can drive to drive a tractor on the road you have to have this category W licence according to the Road Safety Authority and the minimum age at which you can apply for that is 16 and then that led me to say do you not have to do a test how do you get a category category W licence I know when I was applying for a renewal of my driver's licence I got a tick saying that I'm entitled to drive a tractor even though I have never sat in a tractor 
well I have sat in a tractor but I've never driven a tractor and I don't know how comfortable I would be about driving a tractor but my full driver's licence says on it that I can drive a tractor. Helen in Midcork was on to say that she has a grandson and a granddaughter. One is 17 and the other is 16 and Helen says yes they are allowed to drive on the road and they can drive to school in the tractor if they wish. There's no law stating that when you get this licence that you can only drive for farming purposes and Helen says by the way there is no test I think it's crazy says Helen as a tractor surely surely is more dangerous than a car plus they're allowed to drive on their own well in most tractors there's only one seat isn't it so I can understand why they'd be allowed to, to drive to drive on their own and for for safety reasons you wouldn't want to have any more people particularly when there's only one seat in the tractor but I'm really taken aback when you say to me that there is no test. Does that mean that any 16-year-old can literally apply? I'll have to do, but I'm going to have to look into this. You, what Helen is saying in Mid-Cork is that when you reach the age of 16, you can just apply for a tractor, this W, Category W licence, and you'll be issued with that. And then once you have that in your tiny paws you can then drive. Now, and you can drive, you definitely can drive, she's right, you can drive on the roads because it just, it says here, and I don't know if this is, well, this is from agriland.ie from their website, they, you can drive in a public place. What, what is a public place? A public place includes the public roads, a mart and a factory yard. And I take it that this was introduced, I, I mentioned this earlier, I'm assuming that they they're giving out these tractor licences in order for the sons and daughters of farmers to help out on the farm because who else is going to apply for a tractor licence unless it's the son or daughter of a farmer because who else has a tractor you know outside and I know children under the age of 14 are not allowed to drive or operate tractors on their farms so does that mean somebody over the age of 14 if they're on the farm can drive a child or a young person age 14 or over should only be permitted to drive a tractor or a mechanically propelled machine on the farm if they've attended a formal training course okay run by a competent provider okay well I need to do a little bit more research into this I think this is a topic we're certainly going to come back to but thank you to uh, Helen and Midcork for pointing out that uh, you don't have to do a test once you're aged 16 you can get your tractor licence and you are entitled to drive on the road well, that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock uh, Nick is next until then I'm Patricia Messenger good afternoon Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 when it comes to your finances you think you've done it all you've saved you've researched and you've invested all that you can Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.